Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Today we are speaking with Reverend Jennifer Schaus-Green again. Jennifer is an ordained elder in the Upper New York Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. She was ordained a deacon in 1998 and an elder in 2002. Reverend Green got her B.A. from Lycoming College in Williamsport, Pennsylvania in Psychology and Religion and a Master of Divinity from Candler School of Theology at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. She has served various appointments within the United Methodist Church, Belfast UMC, Canadia UMC, Lindenville UMC, and currently serves Hilton United Methodist Church since 2008. She and her husband Troy have four children, William, Trent, Nicholas, and Catherine. They enjoy hiking, fishing, and playing board games as a family. Jennifer has a passion for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others and helping others to connect their own lives within the greater story of God's story. Hi, everyone, and welcome back today. We're really pleased, again, to have another guest return. I love when this happens. And today we have revisiting us, Reverend Jennifer Green. Welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. Before we get started on this topic, which I think is maybe a little more profound than some of the other topics, but one that I hope will shed light for many, many people, or at least start them thinking, topic today is spirituality versus religion. But before we get started, Reverend Green, would you just offer a little bit of your background to our listeners? Sure. I am currently serving as the pastor of Hilton United Methodist Church. I am an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, of which I've been ordained since 1998 in the United Methodist Church, first as a deacon and then as an elder. And I have recently, within the last year, been called upon by our local funeral home here in Hilton to do many, many services of people of all the spiritual aspects and find myself kind of living in the grieving process in a lot of times besides the funerals that I do for our own congregation. And so that's a little bit about where I come from. Great. Thank you so much. And for our listeners out there, she has been our visitor before and back again. She is local to us, which means that we know her personally. We believe her to be a credible person. And with any issues that touch on spirituality, religion, oh, heaven forbid, politics, which we don't get into at all, we like to know that the guest that we have, that we ask to participate in conversation is one that we believe is credible, is serious, has devoted a huge portion of their life to this portion, this topic. And so that's what we offer you listeners. So let's give it a go. Could you please for us in your own words, define religion? So I would define religion as 
and and so some of this is my own words, Kathy, and some of it is things that I was kind of like, because it's in my head. And That's I was okay. like, how do I, how do I voice that? And so in terms of helping me to voice it, when I was kind of looking at what, what is religion? Because I live, I feel like I live religion and it's not everybody's everyday, every moment life. It's a system of faith or uh, words or, or beliefs. And I think that religion can span so many different faith belief systems, such as I prescribed to Christianity, which could be considered a religion. And in, in Christianity, there's so many denominations and the Catholic Church and Methodist, Protestant, I mean, with Protestant, then Methodist and Presbyterian and Baptist and non-denominational and Seventh-day Adventist and all those denominations that we see as we're driving through our villages here in Western New York or for all of your listeners when they're driving through their town. So it's that, and, and I think it can be something that is very much a process and usually with a group of people, in my opinion, is religion. Okay. All right. And that kind of is almost exactly what I found when I checked Google. They brought in the words community. They brought in the words traditions. And I myself was brought up Episcopalian in a every Sunday go to church family. I followed that practice for many years until I became an adult and then kind of stepped away from it a little bit. At one point, I moved to a different state and I actually joined a Southern Baptist community. And for me, that was an overwhelming switch because Episcopalians are very heavy in traditions and their their belief system is very, very strong. The Southern Baptists were more contemporary and it was the first time in my life, and I'm an adult, I'm in my 20s now, it was the first time in my life I ever knew that you could say a prayer in your own words mm, and yeah. you didn't have to open up the published book of common prayer. So that for me started my mind going kind of in different directions. Oh, wow. This is what it's like in different denominations. I truly loved the Southern Baptist denomination. I really did. And that's when my girls were, were little. And then we moved back up north and I kind of stepped away from the church for a little bit again. And then went back as we all lived with my mother, because my mother was a very strong church-going person. We had a church choir and everything like that. I even served on the vestry. So I grew up in that religion, that culture, that community. And I understand that concept. But now when we throw the word spirituality, which you hear far more frequently in conversation, I had to stop and think. So could you take a stab at defining spirituality for us? Yes. So for me, spirituality is believing in something bigger. I kind of equate that to AA. So people who might be familiar with the concept of AA, they definitely believe in a higher power. And that's part, one of the concepts of that 12-step process in AA is believing in that higher power and there's something greater than myself that can help me in my daily life. And so we often hear in our congregation, we host a group and the relationships we form with those people, a lot of times they will say things such as, well, I'm not religious, but I find myself being spiritual. And 
believing in that higher power and acknowledging that higher power in their lives, I think that spirituality can also be seen very singularly. So whereas religion is a lot of times a community, spirituality can be very alone and we can isolate ourselves within spirituality. And so that's kind of where I see that. And it could be, I think you can be spiritual while being religious, but I think they were holding on to that there's something greater than myself and living that however that terms to live out. It might not be in a religion. It can be in a lot of different ways. Thanks. I agree with that. And I'm glad you did state that you feel someone can be both religious and spiritual. Otherwise, I think I was going to have an identity crisis. <laughs> I do consider myself both religious and spiritual. I would consider the same for myself. <laughs> okay, thank you. And I do also support that whereas religion involves a community, because usually it's connected with a denomination, with a church or churches in the denomination, but it is community-based. Spirituality, I believe, is kind of a singular, soulful perspective. Now, one thing I found out, well, I haven't found out, I just hear it in conversation. When the conversation drifts toward spiritual topics or someone happens to mention a church, very quickly, someone is likely to say, oh, I'm not religious. And many times they even hold up their hand like religion is something bad, something negative. I have my own opinions on why people state this. But I wonder, I, if you could, I wonder if you could offer your opinion, your comments on this. I'm not religious. Yeah, I think if people say that to me, because I'll get that a lot when people find out I'm a pastor, I tend to keep that under the cuff when I meet new people. In fact, my daughter rides at a horse barn and it was a while before I, I released to the other moms at the barn that I am a pastor. Because people act differently and they, sure they do. think they have to be a certain way. But often they'll say to me, oh, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And often when that is said, then I tend to ask the question because what I find is that a lot of times people have been hurt by the church or harmed by them. And in doing that, it shuts them off from the people of the church or those kinds of things. And, and in fact, I think yesterday I had one of these conversations that they were going on and on about how church people are judgmental and how church people are mean to them. And I really tried to probe out of them those experiences and listen to those experiences because it saddens my heart that people who are religious are perceived that way because I don't know that everybody is like that. I do know that there are people who are, and I acknowledge that that harm has been done by the church. And so that's kind of where I go in terms, we don't have to prescribe to a certain religion. And I make no bones about the religion that I prescribe to and my belief in Jesus Christ, but acknowledging that and accepting that there are people who might be at different places on that journey and there are people who don't ascribe to that, but they can still consider themselves spiritual. I'm not sure if that answered your question. I think it does. And I would agree and support the comment about they may have been harmed by the church, whether it's the church itself or whether it's someone or ones mm -hmm. in that community. That does happen. Chances are the people that they felt were mean to them at some church event or after a service or something, maybe a coffee, probably would have been mean to them outside the church too. It just that it, it happened at a church sponsored events 
or activity. So they connected it to the church. And I can understand also how some people maybe that really hadn't been brought up a strong religious family, perhaps like I was, I can understand how some of the well-intentioned questions like, oh, you know, what do you do for a living? Or, oh, where do you live? Might come across as prying or intrusive or something like that. So I can understand where some of them come from. I'm just a little taken aback that they're so, I'm not religious. Like it's something almost taboo. So if someone has lost someone close to them and they are on that journey through grief, how might either religion or spirituality prove helpful to them? Well, I think that's a kind of a twofold because when we believe there's something greater than ourselves and we are spiritual, there is a sense of feeling that there is a greater purpose for whatever is happening and our own feelings. And we have a place to go with those feelings. And maybe if it's the greater power, so to speak, maybe being that we can share those feelings. So I think that can help along the journey of grief. I find that with religion and with, in my experience, would pretty much only be within the Christian religion. But I would think that there are many other religions that offer a sense of community to come alongside people in their grief and travel with them through that process. And that community piece would be essential. And it's been essential for me in my own grief journey to know that there are people who have journeyed or are on that journey with me because they've had that similar experience or they just want to be there to be helpful. And I think a community of people in a religion could help and guide people along that as well and surround them. One of the things that our congregation does is give out grief books done by Stephen's ministry, and they come out every so many months for the first year of grief. So that would be a way that religion, so to speak, would be able to help in the midst of a grief process. And even that immediate piece. So for people who are spiritual, if they choose with the funeral director to have a clergy person from any number of faiths come and do that service, they might be able to offer them hope in the midst of that grief and in the midst of having to deal with the death of a loved one. For people who belong to a congregation, they would have their pastor or rabbi or anand or or whoever to come and be there and offer whatever assistance they would do and do that service. That's kind of where I would come from. If we use the concept that religion does not refer to denomination, but to a more community-focused practice of following certain traditions, celebrations, and beliefs in a community setting, and that spirituality pertains more to a single person's belief system or their individual concept of things related to soul and spirits, as opposed to material and physical items, do you think one or the other would be more helpful to someone grieving? I'm wondering if, for me, it would be that community piece. But that's my own personal preference. Right. Like I've, I enjoy having that. So I think it really depends on the person who, what would be more helpful. Because there are people who don't want people around them during that time. Even though it might be what they need, 
they don't want it and they're not going to accept it. So I'm not sure that there's one or another. I think it really depends on where the person is in their grieving process and also how they best respond. There are people who love people around them and there's other people who want nothing to do with having people around them, especially when they're upset. Yeah, and I can think of times for me personally, I needed both. I needed both. There were times that I might not have been surrounded by a church community because at this point I'm not a member of a congregation, but still some of those prayers, some of those thoughts, some of those concepts would come back to me in my memory. And I would remember other funerals I had attended or other people I knew of that had gone through grief and how they turned to prayer for strength and really relied on their faith in God to help them through. Then at times when I was completely by myself at home, deep in thought about one thing and another, I think the spirituality piece crept in because I don't know that I could have named any one item, spirit, or anything like that, but it was just kind of a sense of that something that's greater than I am, the unknowing. And for many people, it'll involve crystals, it'll involve chakras, energies, all kinds of things. That was the time when I was feeling a little more isolated that I think I would draw on my spirituality to help me through. So I I guess my opinion would be that neither is going to be more helpful than the other. So I can't say to someone, oh, well, go to church because it'll help you. I can't say that. And I can't say, go be by yourself and let spirituality help. And if you certainly weren't brought up in a very strong faith-based church community, you wouldn't necessarily have that as an advantage. But I think if you were, it does prove an advantage as yes. you're grieving. Now, sometimes in grief, and, and I'm sure you've heard this a lot, when people are angry, when they're desperate, they just feel that whatever just happened, God is responsible. So they feel betrayed by God. They may feel abandoned or they'll blame God because God allowed this death to happen. What words do you have to say to these people that are feeling that way? One of the things I definitely say is go ahead, show your anger to God because God's big enough and God can handle it. And it's okay. It is okay to be angry and it is okay to show God that anger and it is okay to be angry with God. God can handle it. God is bigger than anything that we can even imagine and it's okay. The other thing that I do as a Christian is I bring in a scripture from Romans. and That is nothing can separate us from the love of God. And there's a ton of things that Paul lists in that about famine and nakedness and peril or sword. And I mean, it's obviously applicable to the time he was living in. But often, and I've used this in services as well, I'll say dementia or cancer. There's so nothing can separate us from the love of God. So it's okay to have those feelings and know that God still loves you for that. And God still, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love. And when you're ready, God is there. And so that's kind of how I address that with people. It is very natural, I think, to be angry. I think I've been angry in my own grief process towards God. It's interesting. And those are words I never, never heard as a child or someone growing up in church. <laughs> Never. So I very much appreciate that. 
And I'm I'm going to hold that because I expect sometime I'm going to be a little angry. And I know I have been in the past, but at any rate, thank you. And if you're speaking to someone who is not a member of your congregation, maybe somebody who is completely unknown to you, and they decide that, okay, here's a minister, I'm going to challenge her. And they reach out and they pose a similar comment or question to you. Would your words be any different? Would you ask them any questions? Or is that just your go-to? And I hate to say that, but but is, is, is that what you draw on and how you would speak to someone else? I, I think I would draw that to them. I do think I would ask questions. Okay. I would try to seek where they are and where they are in that spiritual journey. If they mm-hmm. are seeking some sort of Christianity, if they've had that foundation in the past, somehow have moved away from the church for whatever reason, or maybe they've never had it. And then I kind of do more basic conversation about my fact. And I always use I statements, right? This is what I believe and why I believe it. So that would change. It was interesting. This past week, I had a funeral for somebody who I'd never met. I did not know the family. I went and ended up because the life partner of this person could not travel well and get up the stairs at our church. I went to their house and spent a good 45 minutes to an hour just listening to them talk about how this person had died and about their life and trying to gather information. I try to make every funeral I do be as personal as possible, whether that's inviting family to speak or if they're not able to, I will speak or get information. I use their name throughout the service as well. And it was just something that was comforting to me when I was very young and lost my papa and the pastor did that. And it has stuck with me throughout my entire life. So I went to their house. I spent this time with them and found out that they had been Catholic at at a point in their life, but had moved away from the church and had not attended for 20, 30 years. But when I arrived at the funeral home for the service, the life partner of the deceased and I didn't want to interrupt because it was during the visitation time. So I didn't like run up to them and say hi. I was just kind of hanging back. But they said, excuse me, our pastor is here and got up and came over to me. And it just struck me that all of a sudden I was this person's pastor. And it was kind of overwhelming as well. I'll bet. That's a huge responsibility. And I had not met them until that moment I got to their house. Um, like four days beforehand. So I just try to be me. And yes, that's probably my standard answer, but I couch it in the I statement. And then I also, I also just try to get to the crux of where they're coming from. I want to listen to where they're coming from before I really respond. Right. People do love to be listened to in situations like that. Someone who feels comfort when they see something they believe is a sign from a departed loved one perhaps a cardinal, that's mine, (laughs) may feel this denotes their spirituality and is unrelated to religion. Assuming for a moment that the griever's childhood family were regular churchgoers and members of a congregation, but now in adulthood the sense is, I am not religious, how might you try to help them see spirituality and religion can coexist? It's kind of interesting because you hear that a lot about people who see things and they... Like, I would like a sign. And then they find a dime or the cardinal. We use the cardinal in our family as well. It's my mom's favorite bird. And 
cardinals are life mates. And so whenever there's a male cardinal, we're like, oh, dad is called. <laughs> Make sure we're okay. And, you, and dragonflies and butterflies, people use all of those kinds of things. And, mm-hmm. and I think to even, I kind of equate that in terms of the religious, spiritual, because as a Christian, I believe in the Holy Spirit and the Trinity. I see those things as a way of the Holy Spirit also speaking to us. In John 14, Jesus says, I'm going to send you a comforter. And so for me, maybe that's the way that they are being comforted in, in that time, that the Holy Spirit is sending that, that sign of comfort, especially, and I say, whatever, whatever helps us get through right. is the important part. And so you can use those, whether you're religious or spiritual. And I don't say, oh, that's not true. That can't be because I don't think that we have enough knowledge on this side of heaven to know that that can't be. So that's kind of where I go with that. I don't know if that answers the question, but. It does. It does. And I, you know, and I don't know that there's really even a need to say, oh, you know, that's my spirituality or to label it one or the other. Yeah. And so much of it, again, for me personally, isn't so much as the cardinal appearing, but it's the timing of that cardinal appearing. I know Stephanie mentioned one day that she was sitting at her desk. I didn't know what you were thinking about or doing, but a cardinal kind of came right to the window. She's got a little feeder on her window. Yeah. And that to Stephanie definitely felt it like it was, it was right terrible. before we were doing the podcast about signs. Okay. Oh, it was literally yeah. like within a half yeah. hour before we were going to record it. And I was right. sitting at my computer and I looked up, I was like, Oh, that's grandma. That's right. Yeah. When I see those signs, though, I it, it doesn't make me think, oh, is that my spirituality or religion? I just know. Yeah. I know who it is checking in on me. That's all. You're right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree. With, I would totally agree with that. I don't think that you can separate those or even place it. Maybe that's something even completely separate from our spirituality yeah. or religion. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, and, and we've had some guests that have talked about signs and everything. It's very interesting. But for me, I think I have to attach the timing of that mm-hmm. sign as well. It, if I, for every cardinal I see would not be a sign, right? but it's right. the timing of when I see a cardinal. And even if it's a male or a female. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, what I was sharing in terms of my mom right. was moving out of her home that my parents had lived in for 40 some years of their 50 year marriage. Right. And, and as we were doing that moving, this male cardinal would come along and do his thing and, and then be at, then she, there would be one at her new house. And yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think too, there's a, a quote out there and I, I this is going to be in my own words. I don't think it's verbatim, but it's that the only time that someone truly dies is when you no longer speak their name. So for me, sometimes, okay, sometimes for me, these, these signs, these symbols are things that I appreciate because it calls that person to my mind again and helps me honor that concept that as long as I remember their name or have a memory of them, you know, they'll always be with me. Yeah, I think for me, it's, you know, you're just so busy in life and you just go, 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 go. And the right. second that I see a cardinal, it makes me stop for a minute and kind of appreciate mm-hmm. nature, what that sign is to me. It just yeah. makes me just stop and breathe for a second. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, here we are again. You know, time just goes so fast when we have these <laughs> conversations. And I truly, truly love them. We appreciate so much everything you've had to offer. And 
I feel a little stronger, actually, in both my religion and my spirituality for having the discussion. I like the fact that I believe they can coexist. I can have them both. I don't have to choose. I don't have to say I'm not religious. I may not be a member of a congregation, but I still have my religious upbringing, my religious beliefs that are the base for my faith. Before we go, we want to give you just a moment or two to speak directly to our listeners. I don't know if you want to tell them about some of the things your church is doing. Maybe you just have a message for them in general, but this is your time to speak directly to them with us asking you questions. Oh, well, I, I would like to offer that if people happen to be local to the Rochester area, the Baptist Church here in Hilton and the United Methodist Church are seeking to come together to offer some sort of grief ministry. We have done that in the past as just the United Methodists, but we're seeking to come alongside each other and work together. We're starting a lot of that within the village of not necessarily isolating ourselves as denominations, but coming together. We're starting a youth group together, all kinds of things to really kind of cut down on divisiveness and just work together. So if people are in our church, it's actually looking at putting something together um, for the holiday time and just a support for people as they are going through grief, especially in that November, December time. Also, our church offers in uh, December a blue Christmas service. For, so for people who are not feeling like the fa-la-la-la and the happiness of Christmas, mm-hmm. a time to truly just come and be in the presence of God and grieve and know that it's okay and you're in a safe place during that season. So we'll be putting out information on our website, which is humansbny.org. And so we invite people to join us either virtually or because that will be a virtual service as well. As- okay. Thank you. I'm very interested in whatever you're doing together about the bereavement support. Yeah. So if you could keep me informed on that. Sure, Kathy, I would love to. I'd love to help however I can. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> when somebody says, oh, As she was help. talking about it, I'm like, mom is going to offer her help. I know it. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. Is it going to be like a book review type thing? Actually, there's a book that you go yes. through. Yes. Oh, that would be great. Thank you so much. Okay, listeners, it is that time where we have to say farewell for this episode. I do hope it's been helpful to you. I know I'll be selfish and say it helped me. But I hope if you take even just one little piece from this, that it will help you as you journey your own path through grief. And we'll be back again next week. We want to remind you again about self-care. It's very, very important as you grieve. And if you need any help, if you have any suggestions, any topics you'd like us to discuss, just send us an email, visit our website. Otherwise, We hope you all return again next week as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.